beginning in verse 1, John said, And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll. But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah. The root of David has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And I looked and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Let us pray. Lord, we are so grateful for all that you are doing. Father, we're thankful for the blessed opportunity, God, to worship you here, to worship you in Haiti, God, to testify of you here, to testify of you all over this world. Father, this morning we pray that right now you would anoint me to preach your word in the power, in the unction, in the demonstration of the Holy Ghost. Lord, we pray that your word would penetrate our hearts. God, we pray this morning that the veil would come off the eyes of our hearts, that the lost would be saved, that those that are discouraged would be encouraged. Father, that we would leave changed. God, that we would leave with a, with a deeper understanding and a deeper perspective of who You are and what You have accomplished. Father, we just pray that You would do what only You can, that You would have Your way this morning, that You would be exalted and glorified through it all. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. In John chapter 5, we see Jesus called two things. He is called the Lamb of God and the Lion of the tribe of Judah. I want to preach first this morning on the Lamb of God. But before I get there, I want to say that in Genesis 1.25, the Bible tells us that God made the beasts of the earth. And I have no doubt, especially as we read in Revelation chapter 5, He was the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. What that means is that in God's great plan and in God's infinite knowledge and understanding, He knew the redemptive plan of mankind before the fall ever occurred, before the world was founded. And I think about in Genesis chapter 1 when we're told that God made the beasts of the earth. And as we read through Scripture, we see that multitudes of times God uses His creation. God uses animals. He even uses trees. He, he talks about how the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree and, and that they'll be strong like the cedars of Lebanon. And, and many times we see Jesus, uh, He calls Himself the worm. And that word for worm is the crimson worm. We see God use creation all the way from trees to worms to eagles, 
to the lamb and to the lion to help us understand his nature. To help us understand more about who he is. And I have no doubt whatsoever that when God created the beasts of the field, when God made creation, each and everything he made unique in such a way that if, if we will uh, uh, look at the thing and examine it and let, as Romans chapter 1 tells us, all of creation testify of God, if we will do that, we can see not only the handiwork of God, not only the ability of God to do great things, but we can learn about the nature of God. And in our text, we hear that Jesus is the lamb and the lion. What an interesting two animals to put in the same paragraph. They are so vastly different. The lamb and its temperament compared to the lion are as far apart in the spectrum of animals as almost anything that you could ever think of. And it teaches us this, this morning, about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That He is all things to all people. That He is everything that we need. From the mildest, meekest lamb to the strongest, most powerful lion, whatever the need is in your life this morning, He is everything that you need. He is right for whatever is wrong in your life. He is the answer to every dilemma you're facing. He is everything that we need from the Lamb of God to the Lion of the tribe of Judah. So let's look at the Lamb of God this morning for a little bit. Why is He called the Lamb? I want to say that obviously a Lamb is humble, meek. A Lamb is willing to be led. On one hand, the Lamb is seemingly powerless and therefore purely sweet and tender. Jesus has that ability to do that. When we feel like we have been wrecked, when we feel like we have been ran over, when we feel like we have been hurt and wounded, the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has the ability to nestle up next to us and make us feel safe, to make us feel secure. He has the ability somehow, some way, to deal with sinners like you and I. No matter how terrible we've been, no matter how wicked we've been, no matter how foolish we've been, God has the ability to somehow tenderly deal with us in the state that we're at and wrap us up tenderly in His arms and make us feel loved and secure. But not only is that important that the Lamb is meek, that the Lamb is mild, that the Lamb is tender and humble. Jesus is all of those things. But the most important reason that He is the Lamb of God is because the Lamb is the ultimate sacrifice. We see that in Exodus chapter 29 that there was a lamb that had to be slain twice a day. Once in the morning and once at night. You'll find that in verses 38 through 42. That continually and daily there had to be a sacrifice in the temple. Hebrews chapter 10 will tell you that the reason that the, the sacrifices had to happen continually is because the blood of bulls and goats was not sufficient to atone for our sins forever, but that it had to be continually done, pointing forward to the time when the ultimate sacrifice would come. Now, not only would there be a sacrifice twice a day of the Lamb, but there was a very significant sacrifice that took place every year. It was instituted for the first time at the Passover. 
And if you know the story of the Passover, God told every home to take a lamb and to bring the lamb, the best, most choice lamb, without spot, without blemish, into the home for the period of about one week. And they were to care for this lamb for one week, and at the end of the week, the lamb was to be sacrificed, representing the Passover. And they were to take the blood of that lamb and put it over the the post of their door. They were to get inside of the house, and on that night, when the final plague would take place and the death angel would come and the firstborn of every home would die, those who were inside the blood of the Lamb, the death angel would pass over them. Now obviously that points forward to Jesus, but I I, I want to rewind just a moment and look at something. They brought this animal into their home for a week. Now if I brought a lamb into my house for a week. I have four kids, ten years old, eight, six, and one and a half. My kids would fight for a week about whose room the lamb was going to sleep in. It would have a name at least by day two. It would have about ten names by day one, and they'd sleep on it, and by breakfast they'd all agree on what its name officially was. They'd call the slam by name. They'd fall in love with the slam. See, there was a reason God said you need to bring it into the home for a week, because God wanted it to be personal. God wanted, it to, God wanted us to, 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 to have the personal touch with the Lamb. And God wants it to be personal to each and every one of us this morning that Jesus was willing to die for you. Not just for the whole sins of the world, and that He was, but for you, for your family. Jesus Christ is your Passover Lamb. He is personal. He loves you with a perfect love. He wants you to know Him in a personal way. And He wants you to grab a hold of the concept that He is your personal sacrifice who on your behalf, because of your sins, because you needed a Savior, He was willing to become your Passover Lamb. He's the ultimate sacrifice. First Peter says, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct, received by the traditions from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. You were redeemed by the precious blood of Christ. It still takes the blood to be saved. He says you weren't redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold. In other words, all the silver in the world and all the gold in the world is not enough to redeem your life. It's not enough to pay for your sins. It's not enough to put you in right standing with God. God will not be bought. God will not be uh, God will not be traded with. He is a righteous job. He is a righteous God, and he and he has a certain uh, standard that must be fulfilled. And the price was death. The wages of sin, that is turning from God. The wages of rejecting God is the Lord of my life. The wages of saying, God, I will do it my way. I don't agree with your rules. I don't agree with what you say. I don't agree with your word and I will do it how I want. That is sin. And the wages of turning from God, the Bible says, is death. There had to be a sacrifice. 
There had to be blood that was shed. And we have been redeemed, not with corruptible things, but with the incorruptible, spotless, pure Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, who shed His blood on Calvary's cross. It still takes the blood. It still takes the blood to be saved. Thank God for the blood this morning. Amen. Thank God that there's a blood that my sins are covered by. Sometimes us Christians need to learn to get the old junk and the old past and everything that happened a long time ago and just understand it's under the blood. God sees it under the blood. Quit looking at it. Quit dwelling on it. Quit letting your past ruin your life. It is under the blood. It has been paid for. You have been redeemed. And you ought to stand in victory because you are redeemed with something that's not corruptible. Its price will forever work. You are redeemed by the precious blood of the Lamb of God. Not only is He the Lamb this morning, He is the Lion of Judah. And the Lion of Judah is who I really want to preach to you about this morning. Behold the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Why is Jesus called the Lion? What can we learn about God, about God's kingdom, and about our Savior this morning as we study the great creation of the lion? One of the things I learned is that most cat species live, for the most part, in a solitary existence. There are no other cat species in the world that live in tribes that live in groups. But the lion is the exception. The lion has developed a social system that is based upon teamwork. And there is a division of labor within the pride. In other words, there is a specific duty that every lion that's part of the tribe has to do. It is an extended but closed family unit. You have to be born into the tribe. Lions are the only cats that live in such groups. It teaches us this this morning that God Himself has a family and He wants you to be part of it. But in order to be part of God's pride, you've got to be born into it. You've got to be born again. Jesus said to Nicodemus, unless a man is born again, born of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. You have to be born again. You can't just decide, well, I'm going to put my name on the church roll. I'm going to be baptized. I'm going to go to this church or that church, and I think I'll go to heaven now. No, my friend, you have got to be born again. You've got to come to the place in your life where you recognize that you have sinned against God. You are an enemy of God. You do it your own way. And unless you repent and turn and be forgiven, you're going to split hell wide open. And in that moment, you've got to be willing to turn to God, drop to your knees, if you will, and say, God, I recognize that I am a sinner. I recognize that I have sinned against You. I recognize that I am hopelessly lost forever unless You save me. And cry out and say, God, forgive me. Come into my life. Change me from the inside out. And get up from there. Follow God. And in that moment, He gives you the Holy Spirit. It's where we're born again. And the old things pass away. And all things become new. And I'm trying to tell you this morning, unless you've been born again, trying to be a Christian is the most exhausting 
tedious, fruitless, hopeless endeavor in the world. You feel like, how can I love people like Christ? How can I forgive those who have hurt me? How can I do good to my enemies? How can I be faithful to God? But I'm here to tell you, when you are born again, God gives you His Holy Spirit. He places it within you. He gives you a new nature that desires to do the things of God. And I'm not saying you'll be perfect. I'm not saying there will never be a flesh nature that wants to rise up its ugly head. But God will empower you to turn from your sins. He will place within you the very life of God Himself. You will be born again into the family of God, and you will be part of God's pride. God has a family, and He wants you to be part of it this morning. Are you part of God's family? Do you belong to the tribe of the Lion of Judah? One of the things about the pride is that it brings with it protection. Can I say that we need others to help us? We need protection. I don't care how much of a super spiritual superhero you think you are. We are meant to need each other. We are meant to be needed. We are meant to do this thing together. There's a reason it's called the church. A body isn't any good with just a hand, with just a leg, with just a foot. If you want a healthy body, you need, a, you need the whole thing. And we need each other. One of the things I learned about the lion is that males defend the pride's territory. They don't just defend anything. They actually have a territory. There is a certain area that is marked off by these lions. And, and, and the, the, the rest of the uh, uh, animals, they, they know where the lion's territory is. And those that are part of the pride have protection from the males as long as they're in the territory. But once you go outside the boundaries, you're on your own. And I'm here to tell you this morning, there are some territories for the children of God. There are some boundaries for the people of God. And God has promised to never leave us or forsake us. But understand something. He has not promised to let you leave the boundaries that He set, to let you walk outside of His will for your life and let no harm befall you. When we go outside the boundaries that God has placed, when we put ourselves in positions that we ought not be, we're on dangerous territory. What does the prayer say? Lead us not into temptation. How foolish is it when the Christian says, God, lead me not into temptation, but I think I'll go myself. And walks straight into temptation. And then stands in temptation and says, God, protect me in this mess. God says, get back in the boundaries. Get back in the territory. Get back where I told you to be. That's where my protection is. That's where you are safe. That's where the enemy cannot come in and destroy. Back in the boundaries and the territories that I have set for my people. And I want to say there is not a greater, there is not a safer, there is not a freer animal than the lion who belongs to the lion's pride. It is fun. It is joyful, it is safe, and it is secure inside of God's territory. You know, the devil wants you to think that, that it's a ball and chain. His world's a ball and chain. His world's a world of oppression. 
His world's a world where there is no hope. His world's a world where you go to sleep at night thinking, why do I even live another day? His world is a world of chains and bondage and hopelessness. But he wants you to think, well, if you go inside God's territories, he's got certain rules. He's got boundaries that you cannot cross. And, and, and that old flesh rises up and says, I don't want any boundaries. There is nothing better, nothing freer, nothing that more joyful than living in the boundaries of God. There is something, and it's more to be experienced and it needs to be explained. I can get up here and I can say that and understand that, God, You've got to illuminate that in our hearts. God is a God of freedom. He is a God of liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is there is freedom, liberty, the Word of God says. But the devil's a liar. He's a deceiver. He wants you to think you're going to miss out on something if you stay where God wants you to stay. No, you're going to miss out on something if you go where God doesn't want you to go. Not only do lions live in prides that are protected and safe, lions are the most fierce and powerful of all the cats. A full-grown male has enough strength to break the back of a zebra with one swift motion. Running at full speed, Alongside this thing, a lion has enough power to raise its paw and bring it down one time and break the back of a full-grown zebra. It is power that is impossible for us to comprehend. I mean, this is a creature, a zebra, that's strong enough that a human being can mount up on its back and ride the thing. And yet in motion, while they're running, the lion's powerful enough to break its back with one swift I'm here to tell you today that God is in control. God can break the back of our enemies. It might look like your enemy's too strong to fight. It might look like you're facing something this morning. You don't know how you're going to get out of this mess. You don't know how in the world that God could ever deliver you. But I'm here to tell you God can deliver you with one single swift swoop of the hand. There's nothing that God can't do. He is the all-powerful, almighty God. He is the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And all that He has to do is just speak a word or raise that paw of His one time and bring it down on the back of our enemies and they will be broken forevermore. Our God is in control. Lions have been known, if they need to, if the food source is limited, lions have been known to attack and bring down elephants. I'm telling you, it don't matter how big it seems. It don't matter how terrible your situation might be this morning. There is nothing that God cannot handle. I also found that lions sleep an average of 16 to 20 hours a day. Amen. Now let me say, if you're a human being and you're trying to sleep 16 to 20 hours a day, you probably have depression. And a realization that God is a lion of the tribe of Judah ought to cheer you up. But what can we learn about the fact that lions do sleep 16 to 20 hours a day? It tells us this. The lion's fearless. It's got nothing to worry about. Nothing to fear. No anxiety whatsoever. No reason to stay up at night and wonder what's going to happen the next day. It knows. I'm part of the pride. 
We rule this place. We are kings in this land. We are queens in this land. The enemy's not going to come into our territory and the boundaries that our great head leader has set up and destroy us. You can rest too knowing that your God is the Lion of Judah. Jesus said so many times, Fear not, for I am with you. Fear not, for I am with you. Can I tell you something about my life? There was a, there was a time in my life that I dealt with great deep uh, anxiety and worry and fear. Many of you know that. I've shared that a lot of times before. During that stage of my life, I found it difficult to sleep. And one of the things that I've had to learn is that if I am, if, if I am up and I cannot sleep because of anxiety or fear or worry, that somewhere my believing is off. That somewhere something inside of me has lost sight of the fact that I belong to the pride of the line of the tribe of Judah. And I'm going to be okay. And I've got a good friend that I call every now and then when that happens. I say, all right, man. I couldn't sleep last night. I should have been able to, but I couldn't. And I'm, I'm just turning inside of me. And we sit down and we talk about how God's in control. We talk about how the reality is that everything's going to be okay. Not only is it going to be okay, it is okay. And that even when it looks bad, it's still good because God is in control. He's on His throne at all times. He's the one that's going to finish the good work that He started. All that we've got to do is stand and just be faithful to Him and trust Him with the results. That God doesn't look on the outward appearance, but He looks on the heart. And as I am reminded of how great my God is, as I am reminded of how powerful He is, as I am reminded of how much in control He is, all of a sudden that anxiety begins to, to leave, that anxiety begins to go away. And I am reminded why Jesus said over and over and over again, Fear not. Why? For I am with you. Why not fear? Because I am with you. David said in Psalm 48, in Psalm 4 and verse 8, In peace I will lie down and sleep. For you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. In peace I will lie down and sleep. For you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. Two more things this morning about the lion of the tribe of Judah. One of the things that I found incredibly interesting that I think has great spiritual application is there is not an animal on earth, not one, that hunts lions. Yet lions are an endangered species in most places of the world. How can this be? Because while there is not an animal on earth that hunts the lion, man has sought to kill it. I think about Romans 8 that tells us all of creation groans and earns for the expectation of the coming of the sons of God. All of creation knows that God is God. It testifies to God. But there is one part of God's creation that has turned its back on God. That it's turned its back on the lion of the tribe of Judah and has begun trying to kill off the church. Has, has from the beginning of time, since the fall of man tried to find some way to wipe away the tribe of the Lion of Judah. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. You see, man hates the thought of there being another larger than us that we're unable to conquer. Man wants to think just as Satan wanted to think. That's where it comes from. That's where that evil nature comes from. It's from the devil himself. 
It is the, it is the poison that he spewed into Eve when he said, did God really tell you not to eat of that tree? You see, God only told you that, Eve, because He knows that once you do, you'll become greater than Him. Man, and in that moment was born the the sinful nature of man where we feel like and long to be the head honcho. We don't want there to be anybody over us. We don't like the thought that there's another more powerful than us that we will answer to, that we cannot get around Him, we cannot divert Him, we cannot overpower Him, but that one day every knee, every knee, every tongue will confess, every knee will bow that Jesus Christ is Lord. And humanity doesn't like that. Mankind does not like the idea that there is a God greater than us that we will either answer to or that we will be destroyed by. But I'm here to tell you, God won't be destroyed. The lion of the tribe of Judah won't be snuffed out. It might look bad. The world might be unified together in attempting to kill off the divine lion from Judah's tribe. But God will not be defeated. You see, it looked bad during the flood. It looked like Judah's lion was just about destroyed come the flood. But then the lion of the tribe of Judah roared his great voice and it rained for 40 days and 40 nights and the earth was flooded and God destroyed the wickedness on the earth for a period of time and brought forth Noah and his family through the ark. It looked bad at the Red Sea. When Israel had finally been set free after 400 years of slavery and they stood there and on one side was the Red Sea and on the other side was Pharaoh's army marching to destroy them. But in a moment when it looked like all was lost and there was no hope, the Lion of Judah roared His great, amazing, magnificent voice and the seas parted and they were led through on dry land. It looked mighty bad at Calvary when to the eyes of the world, when to the eyes of the unseen world, the demons and the angels alike looked on and saw the spotless Lamb of God in that moment. He died on Calvary's cross. He cried out, it is finished. He breathed His last breath. They brought Him down from the from the cross and they wrapped Him up and they put Him in a tomb. It looked bleak. It looked like the Lion of Judah had possibly been cut off. But three days later, there was a roar from that tomb and the, and the stone was rolled away and the Lion of Judah came forth victorious and said, I will not be defeated. Jesus said, would He find faith on earth when He returned? He told us it would look bad in the end. He told us that people's hearts would wax worse. He told us there would be a form of godliness that denied the power. We find that in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1-5. through There would be a form of godliness that denied the power of God. There's a lot of that form of godliness today, especially in our culture. A form of godliness that looks the same. They go to church, they sing the same songs, they preach out of the same Bible, they tithe, they do certain things, but when you get right down to it and you look at their life and you look at their living, they are perverse. They still are concerned about themselves. They are gripped by selfishness. They care about nothing but what is in their best own interest. They are blasphemers. They are disobedient to parents. They are lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, the Bible tells us in that text. And we see a form of godliness 
But it's not godliness. It's just a form. It denies the power of God. But I am here as living proof this morning. My life testifies of it. That there is the power of God. That there is the born again experience. That it is possible to be changed forevermore by the touch of God on your life. If you'll be honest with God, if you'll surrender to God, if you'll not strike any deals with God, but come to the place where you understand, where you receive, where you acknowledge that He alone is God and that is enough. That's why you've got to serve Him this morning. That's why you've got to repent of your sins this morning. That's why you've got to turn to Him this morning. Because He's God. And there's no other reason but because He is God, therefore you must serve Him. I'll never forget the day I got saved. I was such a terrible, wicked, horrible, evil person. And as I stand before you this morning, as I stand before God, what I'm telling you is the absolute truth. When I got saved, I did not ask God to forgive me. I didn't know to. I, didn't, I mean, I didn't know the story that Jesus died on the cross. I didn't have somebody lead me and tell me to pray that. Otherwise, I would have. But, I, but there's a reason I didn't ask God to forgive me. I want you to understand what was in my heart. I didn't think I was worthy to be forgiven. And I was so overwhelmed, I had come to the realization God is real. And as I stand before you and I stand before God, that day when I knelt and prayed, I would have served God the rest of my life if I still would have had to go to hell. Because I had the realization He's God. I'm not striking a deal this morning. I'm not saying, God, I'll serve you if. God, you do this, 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 and this. Then I'll serve you. No, uh uh-uh. He's God. He's worthy for me to serve Him the rest of my life, even if I take the just punishment that comes my way. And I'm telling you, that day I didn't think I was worthy to be forgiven. But I had repented of my sins. I turned and had faith in God. And I was going to serve Him till my dying breath, no matter what the deal was, no matter what He had to offer. I just wanted to serve God. And you know what I didn't understand at the time? You know what comes with that deal? Forgiveness. That's what comes with it. I was born again in a moment. God gave me His nature through giving me the Holy Spirit. And I longed to serve God. And I wanted to do everything to honor Him and please Him. But I'm here to tell you this morning, you've got to get to the place in your life. It's not about deals. It's not about God. If you change it, you you know do this or do that. If you'll fix my mess in the next two months, or if you'll pay this bill, or if you'll not let the wife leave, or if you'll not let the husband leave, then I'll serve you, then, 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 until you get to the place and understand He is the God of heaven and earth. You ought to serve Him no matter what. You ought to be faithful to Him no matter what. You're not, if, you, if you're just looking for deal breakers this morning, you have not grabbed a hold yet of the reality He is the one true God unto whom you will stand and you will answer, and one day you'll stand face to face And all of your excuses will fade when God says, Why did you not serve me? Why did you not accept my love? Why did you not turn to me? All of your excuses will leave. You will be left with nothing to say except, God, I rejected you as God. There is a form of godliness that denies the real power. I want to say this morning, no matter how many deny God, they're powerless to stop it. I'm telling you, God is going to accomplish what God started. He's going to finish what He said He's going to finish. He's going to come, church. He's going to come. He's going to take us home. 
He's going to reward those of us who have been faithful to Him. And the last thing I want to say this morning that I just thought was incredibly amazing. The lion has the loudest roar on the face of earth. A lion can be heard as far as five miles away. That's a long way to hear something. Five miles. They keep in contact with one another by roaring loud enough to be heard. So they might not be able to see the head lion, but they can hear him roar. I'm grateful this morning that though I've never actually seen it, I've heard it. I'm grateful this morning that when I can't see exactly what God is doing, and it feels like He might be a long ways away, that in the depth of my heart when I need to hear His voice, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, He roars in a way that only He can. It is that distinct, uh, powerful, yet calming voice in the depth of your soul. He says, I'm here, child. You're going to be okay. You're in the right place. Just keep your head up. Just keep going. Just keep believing. Just keep following me. There's going to come a day when we'll come face to face. Then all the troubles of this world will pass. All the trials, as you know them, they'll leave. There'll be no more tears. I'll wipe with my beautiful paw every last tear off of your cheek. And it's all going to be okay. But until then, keep listening to me. Keep hearing me. And keep following me. As I preach, I wonder to myself, can you hear Him now? I wonder this morning as I preach, God, can, can anybody that's listening, do they hear you right now? Because you're trying to roar. You're trying to stir our hearts. You're trying to show us how real you are. Maybe you're here this morning and you're lost. And yet deep in, in your soul, something is stirred. It's not stirred anywhere else. What you feel now, you don't feel it out there in the world. You don't feel it to the left. You don't feel it to the right. But when, 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 you, when you're around the Word of God and you're hearing God's Word preach, something's stirring inside of you. I'm here to tell you it's the Lion of the tribe of Judah. He's roaring in your heart. He's saying, let me in. He's knocking on that door. He's saying, trust me. Just trust me. Just trust me. I will be your King. I will set you free. I will be all that you need. I will be the Lamb when you need the Lamb. I will be your Lion when you need the Lion. I will be your God if you will just let me in. How loud is a lion's roar as our worship team comes? I looked for a picture of it, but I couldn't find one. So I just had this one up. A lion's the only animal on earth that can roar loud enough, listen to me now, to raise the dust. A lion has the ability to roar loud enough that for a certain circumference around the thing, the dust comes up off the earth. What an amazing picture of, first of all, a God who created man out of the dust. But furthermore, the lion of the tribe of Judah who will come back one day and he will roar one final time. And when he roars, it won't just be a circumference from wherever he's at, but all the dust around the entire globe will begin to shake 
and, and people will bust up out of those graves. The Bible says there will be a resurrection of the good and the bad. The lost and the saved. That, that those who have done good to the judgment of righteousness, those who have done bad, will be doomed to an eternity in hell. But the Lion of Judah will roar one final time and all this earth will be shaken and people will bust up out of the grave when God's Lion roars one final time. So you thought you had to keep this up All the world 